what to do. And maybe you've been in a place in your life where you felt like you were sort of helpless and you were powerless. Maybe you were uh, facing a, a, a life-changing decision and you just didn't know what decision to make. Maybe you felt like all of the circumstances of life were just pressing down upon you and, and you felt overwhelmed. When you come to a, a moment like that, what do you do? Where do you turn? Do you make a poll on social media and see what everybody thinks? Do you go and sit down and talk to a couple of friends and ask their opinions? Do you consult a horoscope? Where do you go to find answers? And where do you find strength and find wisdom? Where do you go to find hope? It was almost three years ago that Catherine and I came here with our family and uh, your pastor search team had contacted us and, and we were to this point where we were going to come and, and I was going to preach in view of a call and you were going to decide whether I could preach or not, right? And so when, when we were trying to, to come to this decision about, about moving here, this was a, a life-changing decision for us. We were at a church that we loved and we had been there for about eight years and it was the only home that our children had ever known. It was a place where we had a lot of really good friends that, that we care about. My mom and dad had, had moved there and were living there in, in the city where we lived. Things at the church were, were going really well. And so it, when this opportunity came before us, I, I didn't know what to do. And so what do you do in a moment like that? Well, I, Catherine and I obviously talked a lot about it. I talked to some, some mentors in my life to, to seek counsel from them. But the most important thing that we did is that we talked to God about it. We spent a lot of time in prayer about it. So that when, when we came here uh, to preach, we call, already knew that we were going to come. Because God had put it in our hearts. We knew that it, what was going to happen. But I can't imagine coming to a, a moment like that in your life and not praying about it. Jesus felt the same way about prayer. It was an important part of his ministry. In fact, I would say it was an integral part of his ministry. It, the Bible says that it was his habit to go off and to spend extended periods of time in prayer. And for a lot of us, that, that sort of habit is a foreign concept to us. That sort of pattern of life is not something that, that we think about or that we would be used to. But my prayer today is that it would become part of our lives. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd ask that you'd stand in honor of God's word if you are able. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6 this morning, beginning in verse 12. 
Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, the word of God says, During those days he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. And when daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And after coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. And the whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Thank you. You may be seated. As we study this passage today, we're going to be continuing a series that we began back around Easter called On the Mountain. And we're looking at these various mountaintop experiences in Jesus' life. These significant moments in his ministry that occurred on the mountains. And you see this happening all throughout uh, the Gospels. And today we see Jesus going on the mountain and he spends this, this extended period of time in prayer. And this was an important part of who he was. And I, I pray today that as we study this, this passage that we're going to see what an important part it needs to be in our lives also. And so the first thing that we see in this passage of scripture is that prayer brings guidance. When you pray, you're seeking guidance in your life. And Jesus is praying for God's guidance in this passage of scripture. He's seeking the wisdom of the Father. Luke, in his gospel, seems to include more of these anecdotes about Jesus' prayer life than, than the other gospels do. For example, back in Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, it says he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. And so this was the habit of Jesus, that he would often go out to the mountain, to deserted places, to, to be by himself, to pray. And when we studied the passage of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was arrested, that's how they knew where he was. That's how Judas was able to lead the guards there to get Jesus because this was his habit. This is, they knew he would be there because this is where he always was. He was there spending this time in prayer. And in our passage today, we find one of these occurrences. In verse 12, it says that during those days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And when you think about this, this period in, in, in Jesus' life, this occurrence in Jesus' life, this was a place for him that was unhurried. A place that was unhurried. There was nothing that was pressing his time. There wasn't another appointment coming up. It was a place where he could be. A place where he could rest. When you think about this, this moment in Jesus' life, this was a place that was be. A place where he could rest. When you think about this, this moment in Jesus' life, this was a place that was unhindered. There was no one interrupting him here. There wasn't a cell phone buzzing in his pocket. 
There wasn't a TV on in the background. It was a place of focus for him. And you and I need a place like this in our lives. A place that's unhurried, a place that's unhindered, where we can spend time communing with the Lord in prayer. When you think about this passage, it's also, I think, important to notice the time that Jesus spends in prayer. When you look in verse 12, it says that he spent all night in prayer to God. How long was it? All night. This wasn't a short and sweet prayer that Jesus offered. This wasn't a God thanks for the food prayer that Jesus offered here. And I'm sure that during these hours, there were times when Jesus was just pouring out his heart to his Father. I'm sure that there are other times that Jesus was just sitting and, and listening. Because this is an all-night event. And so there's this concentrated tenacious prayer that Jesus is offering here. Have you ever spent prayer like that? Prayed all night? Have you spent hours in prayer before? For many of us, the, the idea of praying like this is really just sort of inconceivable. I mean, what would you even say for that long, right? I mean, <laughs> How, what do you do during hours of prayer? It just seems like that's just unrealistic. And I used to think that way also. The more that I pray, the easier I find it to spend long periods of time in prayer. And you kind of begin to wonder where the time went. That was the testimony that a lot of you gave last year, uh, Labor Day weekend. We had a day of prayer here at the church. And during the worship services that morning there was there was some singing but the the vast majority of that hour-long service was just praying and you were guided through different things to pray about and the next thing you know you had prayed for an hour and people were like wait the service is over we're just getting started right that was the testimony that I heard from a lot of people was that that it, it, it seemed it, it was different than I expected it was easy to pray when 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 we just we're unhurried, unhindered, just focused. And Jesus is our example here. In this passage, he's praying all night. In Gethsemane, he's praying all night. He was always making time to pray. So much so that his disciples come to him on one occasion and they say to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer. But the, they came to him because they saw that this was important in Jesus' life. It was something that he was doing all the time. They saw how it impacted his life. They said, Jesus, teach us how to do what you're doing. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go home tonight and pull an all-nighter. But if we're seeking a, a better prayer life, it certainly means more than what we're doing right now. And so we need to be men and women who are spending time in concentrated prayer. And so why was Jesus spending this time in concentrated prayer? Because he was about to make a very important decision. There in verse 13 it says, When daylight came, he 
summoned his disciples, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. And so there was a group of disciples that were following Jesus at that point in time. And he prayed all night seeking the Father's guidance about which ones he would call out of this group to be what we call the disciples, what we call the apostles, the twelve. And these were disciples that he would, he would entrust his ministry to, that he would spend this uh, inorbitate amount of time with, training them, because the, the continuation of his ministry depended on, on their faithfulness. And so this isn't a small decision that he's making. It's one that, that warranted concentrated prayer. He needed the guidance of the Father. I think that too often we have a tendency to lean on our own wisdom when we have major decisions facing us, like in this occasion with Christ where we need the Lord's guidance, but we settle for man's instead. We, we look out and we sort of try to interpret the circumstances and make a decision. Or we, we follow the path that the world says that we ought to take. But when you read the Bible, that's often not the guidance that God would give us. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verses 8 and 9, the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what's God saying? He goes, you don't always think like I do. You don't always see the big picture like I do. My thoughts are, are infinitely higher than yours are. So maybe you ought to ask me. We place way too much confidence in, in our own wisdom, and we don't trust in the wisdom of God. The Proverbs tell us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, and he'll make your path straight. So why would we not seek God's face about every decision that we make? And the Bible tells us that he's the wonderful counselor. But instead, we'll throw it out on Facebook to see what they think. Or we'll sit around the table and drink coffee with our girlfriends and say, what, what, what do you think I should do? Or you, you lie awake in bed at night and mull it over in your mind for hours. Why would we not go to the one who knows all things. Why would we not go to the one who holds the whole universe in his hands? I'm sure that you have had important decisions to make in your life. There have been times that you, you need the Lord's guidance on something. Who should I marry? Or should I accept this job position? Or um, what should I do about my children? How should I handle this conflict in my life? Where should I go to college? How should I care for this sick family member that I have? These are decisions that 
that require more than just a passing prayer before you eat. There are times that we should spend in concentrated prayer, times that we should seek out the Lord's guidance. But it doesn't even have to be a big decision. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Paul tells us that we should pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. Because I think that sometimes we have a tendency to say, all right, God, this is way bigger than I can handle. I'm going to give this one to you. I'll take care of the rest of it. So why would we not go to God even in the little things? Because it shows a trust in the Lord. It shows dependency upon, the God, upon God. It shows a relationship with God. Because listen, if, if there were anyone who didn't need to spend all night in prayer, it was Jesus, right? I mean, he's God the Son. But he's revealing to us the importance of prayer in his life. He's showing the priority of communing with the Father in prayer. He's teaching us the importance of, of listening to the Father in all things. And I think we would do well to follow his example. So we see here that prayer brings guidance to our lives. But the second thing that we see in this passage is that prayer brings power. Because after Jesus spends the night in prayer about this most important matter, the next morning it says that he calls all these disciples to himself. He, he, he sets apart the 12 to be called disciples and apostles. And then he begins to go and to teach. In verse 17, it says, After coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. So what happened as a result of this all night in prayer? That Jesus spent he begins to teach with power and with authority we see him healing and performing ministry and I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus spends much time in prayer and is empowered for ministry as a result of it because prayer brings power matter of fact there's another moment that Jesus is on the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's transfigured before Peter, James, and John. And while that's happening, the other disciples are trying to cast a demon out of a, out of a little boy that their father, his father had brought to them, and they, they were unable to do it. And when Jesus comes down to the, and says, what's going on here? They said, we tried to cast him out. We couldn't do it. We don't know what to do. And Jesus said what to them? This kind only comes out through prayer and fasting there was a connection between prayer and the power of God in our lives because in prayer we call on the power of God to move in our lives it's through prayer that the unction or the anointing of God is poured out upon the one who prays E.M. Bounds 
has written extensively on prayer, and he says in his book, Power Through Prayer, this unction comes to the preacher not in the study, but in the closet. It's heaven's distillation in answer to prayer. This unction is not the gift of genius, it's not found in the halls of learning. No eloquence can woo it, no industry can win it, no prelatical hands can confer it. It's the gift of God, the signet set to his own messengers. It's heaven's knighthood given to the chosen true and brave ones who have sought this anointed honor through many an hour of tearful, wrestling prayer. He says that this Prayer calls for God to, to move in our lives and power. And some of the Christians that we would know their names, who have had the most impactful ministries and lives for the kingdom, are people that spend a lot of time in prayer. People like Martin Luther, who was the, the leader of the Protestant Reformation. He said, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. He said, to pray well is the better half of study. John Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism and was this great movement where many people come to faith in Christ, spent two hours daily in prayer beginning at 4 a.m. It was said of Wesley that he thought prayer to be more his business than anything else. Hudson Taylor, who was this great missionary, led the China Inland Mission Organization, said that all of God's giants have been weak men who did great things because they reckoned on God's power and presence with them. So just as these were empowered by time spent with God, so here Jesus is empowered for ministry through the time that he spent with the Father. We see in verse 19 that the whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. So here's the application for us this morning. I'm afraid that if we're not careful, that we can do church without prayer and without the power of God. We can trust in our programs, we can trust in having nice facilities. We can trust in having a talented pastoral staff. We can rely on ourselves rather than on the Lord. I can write sermons without praying. I know how to do, I know how to write sermons. You can teach a connect group without praying. You can sing in the choir without praying. You can go teach in the the work with the children without praying. And if we were really honest, there's probably been times that we do. But when you do church in your own power, it's obvious. Because the power of God is not present in it. And prayerless churches do not scare the devil. Did you hear me? Prayerless churches do not scare the devil. He's not worried one bit about you doing ministry in your power and your wisdom and your strength. 
but he's terrified of a child of God who is filled with the Spirit of God, ministering in the power of God. Because Jesus crushed Satan under his feet. Jesus broke the chains of sin. Jesus conquered the grave. The demons flee from Jesus. And so there's a big difference between ministering in your power and ministering in the power of Jesus. And so what we have to do is spend concentrated time in prayer, calling on God, begging God to anoint these times of worship, calling on God, crying out to him to come down and move in his power. We need him to minister. We need him to save. We need him. We don't need more of us. We don't need a a better show or a bigger show. We need more of Jesus and his power. But what about in your personal life? That's, that's how we can pray for the power of God to move in our church. But what about in your personal life? What if you find yourself falling into sin, tripping over temptation? Then pray for the power of God. If you find yourself lacking wisdom, then pray for the power of God. If you find your marriage struggling, pray for the power of God. If you need help with raising your family, then pray for the power of God. If you're discontented with your life, then pray for the power of God. If you feel helpless, then pray for the power of God. Because God answers when we pray. So Christians, this morning, we've been challenged concerning our prayer lives. And maybe as you're sitting there today and you're honest and reflecting about your life, it might be stale, it might be sort of perfunctory, it might be absent at the moment. You realize that God is calling you to a deeper life of prayer. That you need guidance you need the lord's power in your life you need to spend this time with him and so in a moment we're going to have a time of response and we're going to stand and sing and you'll have an opportunity to to pray there at your seat or even to come here to this altar and pray and say god this is what my prayer life has been this is where it is right now but god this is what i desire for my prayer life to be call out to him today There may be others this morning that are realizing that they don't have this sort of relationship with God that we're describing. That you would spend time with God. You'd have a relationship with God. You go, I don't have a relationship like that. I don't know what you're talking about. The way that you can have a relationship with God and to have fellowship with God and to commune with God is through salvation in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. God sent his very son, Jesus, that we just read about to save the world from their sin. He lived a life of perfection, a life without any sin, so that he could go to the cross and pay the price for your sin and for my sin. He did what we were unable to do. And because the wages of our sin is death, he died there in our place as our substitute. He was placed in the grave 
But as we said, Jesus broke the chains of death. He broke the chains of sin. He broke the chains of hell and of Satan and crushed him under his feet as he walked out victorious, raised from the dead on the third day. And he's extended to each and every one of us the the free gift of salvation. If we would call on God to forgive us of our sins and put our trust and our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection to be our hope, to be our salvation. The Bible says that we'll be forgiven of our sins, cleansed of our unrighteousness, and that we'll be reconciled to God. We'll have a relationship with God again in which you'll pray and seek him and have fellowship with him. And so if that's a decision that you need to make this morning, as we stand and sing, you can step out to the back and there will be leaders and pastors across the back that are there to talk with you and to counsel you and to help you as you make this decision. You can text the word DECIDE on your phone to the number 865-234-3241 if you're watching online. And this is a decision that you want to make, then I want to encourage you to grab your phone and text DECIDE to the number there uh, on the screen. You can do that here in this room as well. However God is speaking to your heart, now is the time for us to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we come before you today thanking you for this time of worship, for this time to be in your word. Lord, for you speaking to us today. God, I pray for those who are worshiping online or here gathered in the room right now, God, that you would move in our hearts during this time. God, if we recognize that our prayer lives are anemic and we we need to, to follow this example of Jesus, Lord, I pray that we would commit ourselves to that even right now. God, if there are those that recognize that they don't have this relationship, they don't have this fellowship with God, but they want it in their hearts, They want to repent. They want to trust in Jesus. God, I pray that they would head on out to the back of the room and grab one of these pastors and talk to them or or pick up their phone and text the word decide to let us know that this is what you're doing in their life. But God, we ask that you would move in your power during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.